Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much, maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Ben Easter. Today, I'm so excited to have a conversation with one of my favorite clients, Emma Grace Moon, who is coming here to talk to us all about her own personal shift to freedom. So welcome to the show, Emma Grace. Thank you so much. This is my first podcast recording, so I'm excited. So why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about what you're up to in the world? What are you doing? What's your business about? And that sort of thing. Totally. Yeah. So I'm the founder of an affiliate marketing agency. We don't have a name for it yet. People just know me by Emma Grace Moon. <laughs> Working on that though. Um, but we're an affiliate marketing agency that works with mission-driven D2C brands um, to build relationships and land features in quality content sites like digital press publications or blogs. And then we analyze the performance of those features just to be really clear on the return on investment for our clients. Um, so very data-driven approach to this. Um, yeah, that's something yeah. I think that's really cool about your business, actually, is the emphasis on gathering the data and looking at where things are coming yeah. from and performance and then tweaking based on that performance. Uh, just so, for anybody yeah. who doesn't know what affiliate marketing is, you want to give us a quick, quick drop? Yeah, I can give an example of the type of work I'm doing with press publications. So, for example, if you go to Vogue.com and you see a sweater that you want to buy and you purchase that sweater, that sweater brand is paying Vogue the commission on that order. And that's essentially affiliate marketing. So paying commission to creators um, for selling your product, they get a cut of that total order value. Um, it's yeah, really basically. a simplest form. It's what drives the internet. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I'm curious, how did you get into that? Where did that come from in your reality? Yeah. So I, um, majority of my career, I've worked in-house at direct consumer brands. Um, and, you know, some raised money, some were self-funded, um, you know, bootstrapped, but there was a commonality among all of them that they really need to see the return on the marketing channels that they're investing in. When I started out, I was working with um, more the influencer marketing side of affiliate. So instead of working with Vogue.com, I would work with a social media influencer, work with them to share the product, and then we would pay them a cut of the orders. That wasn't necessarily a type of affiliate marketing that I wanted to continue to work with. Um, it just wasn't feeling my fire. It wasn't feeding my soul. So um, I had a friend in the PR industry, and I think this was 2019, who pulled me aside one day and she's like, hey, I know you're doing affiliate marketing for influencers, but you should start thinking about doing this for press because this is going to be a huge driver of revenue for them um, with just the decline in uh, print publications. People weren't buying ads in print anymore. 
um, and just digital was the future. And then the pandemic happened. So everyone was shopping online. Um, and so it just really further fueled that transition. So essentially I started to just pitch like Rolling Stone, I think was the first publication that I pitched. And then Business Insider was my second. And I remember I landed a feature in Rolling Stone and they have like a shopping column. And I landed a feature there and we started to see and with an affiliate link. So they were sharing this feature, using an affiliate link for the brand. And we started to see revenue coming through. And we were like, wait, what? <laughs> this is insane. Um, and that it's always was so satisfying, like right? <laughs> yeah. It was like this aha moment of like, oh crap, like I really caught on to something. This is like, and no one was talking about it. No one really knew that it was, we knew it was affiliate marketing, but we didn't know if this was like, just, you know, going to happen for a couple months. And then we were going to go back to print, but I started to really build this out for the brand. Um, and what the founders of the brands that I worked with loved was that trackability seeing like, wow, okay, this channel is driving $50,000 for us every month. And that's concrete. That's not hypothetical. It's not like, yeah, we're like putting this equation together and we think it's 50,000. It's exact data. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, and that's something that I think is really, because just to highlight, because pe people have a hard time with that. Like when you, for instance, the influencer channel that you were talking about earlier, that can be difficult to find out what's the performance yeah. like, like we can give people a code and if they use the code, then we know that that helped. But also it's, it's like almost like this cloud of influence that happens and people don't really know what the ROI on, on, is on that in a concrete way. They can look at the numbers before and then look at the numbers after, but it's really kind of like guessing it's a black box. But with what you do, uh, I think it's really cool. And one of the reasons why I think it's so attractive to companies is that it does, it is like literally you can connect the dots from actions we took to monies that we made and you can see it all in the trail. So that's really cool. Totally. And it's also, I think, fascinating with being able to use the terminology that growth marketers use and using those KPIs that they follow and adding that layer to prep. That's like never been done before. So yeah. that was also fascinating is just like being able to be in the same room as a PR team and a growth marketing team and have that like speak to each other, um, which I think is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, okay. So to walk us through a little bit like what's your journey like so how did when we you and i met where were you at in your business what was going on um this is the shift to freedom podcast so i'm going to ask you like what's your journey with freedom been like you know where where did you kind of start and maybe <clears throat> how old are you and then um <laughs> talk, us, talk us through what's the what's your journey like totally um yeah i don't talk about my age for anyone listening i rarely talk about my age and this is the time that i'm breaking loose. We've been working together for maybe a little over a year. And before I contacted you, I launched my business. Maybe I was three or four months in. Um, I could be wrong, but I knew from working in-house at direct consumer brands, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a hustle. It's, there's not a ton of regulation. There's not HR. There's like, you are learning on the ground. You're hustling really hard. You're working directly with the founders. Um, and while that was really amazing, and I, that's really how I learned, um, you know, all the things that I've learned today, it, I got really clear on recognizing that there was a lot of things that happened when I was working in D2C brands. It was not in alignment with how I wanted to live my life, how I wanted to, um, you know, communicate with people, how I wanted to do business in general. I knew that I wanted to be a business owner, like 
as soon as I graduated high school, I was like, I'm going to own my own business one day. But in my head, I was yeah. like, oh, it's good. I'm going to be like 28 or 30 or something like that. Um, I'm 23 right now. <laughs> yeah. And um, I started my business when I was 21. Is in like even saying that, I'm like, what the hell? Like, Jesus, like I was a youngin, I'm still a youngin, but like 21, oh my god. I'm still young. Um, so I knew that I wanted to run my business and like have my own LLC and everything, but I was super clear that I do not want to do the things like the founders that I worked with did with their team. Like I was super clear with what I did want to do. But I didn't have the tools and I didn't really know like what are those things, right? Like there's a lot of things that you experience building a business. And I wanted to get really clear on, okay, what does my schedule look like on a day-to-day? Like, what do I want my schedule to be like? How do I want to do performance reviews with my team once I grow my team? Now I have a team of four. Like, all these things that I think make up a business, I wanted to get really clear about, like, what's going to light me up and what's going to make me feel good about running a business. Um, And I knew I needed support with that. So, um, you know, I also think, like, with my age, when I started my business, there was a lot of imposter syndrome, right? I'm like, mm. I'm 21 and I'm starting my business. Like what? Like I shouldn't be doing this right now. Like all those shoulds, can'ts, like need, you know, terminology started to pop up, which I know we've done a lot of talk around <laughs> getting those out of there. I don't want to say I've hid my age, but it has been like this ageism fear that people will think like if they find out how old I am, that I'm not capable Or I can't, I'm not, you know, smart enough, or I haven't experienced enough to really prove value. But I mean, I've been in my business for, you know, going on two years and proven a lot so far. Yeah, by the way, how how does your business perform for clients? You want to share a little? Oh, gosh, the programs that I run for my clients, they range between generating $20,000 a month to like $150,000 a month. So like, this is a huge portion of their business and also their marketing pie. Um, And what I do also makes up around 20% on average of their total marketing revenue. Um, So it is a huge portion, which is great. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, and how does it work? I mean, how how does it work for them? Are your customers happy with what happens? Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. No, I mean... I prefer to work with my clients long-term and I have like a hundred percent resign rate. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so if that doesn't prove that they're happy, I don't know what will. Um, but no, I mean, I think like it's, it's really nice to still have a strong connection. Like what I really liked working with D2C brands is having that direct communication and direct connection with the founders that I'm working with and really having like, I like, I can't, for lack of a better term, like, very strong like human process to how I talk to people how I do business how I build out strategies how I you know react to maybe a disagreement um and I think it's really refreshing and they love that they get to talk with me directly and there's such this like authentic approach to how I do business in into being highly data you know driven um and you know driving a huge portion of their you know brand's revenue um yeah yeah and so it doesn't matter to them that you're 23 or what's. They probably don't know. <laughs> I mean, half of them probably don't know. Well, if they don't know, then it obviously doesn't matter to them, huh? Exactly. And they, and they yeah. resign anyway, even though they don't know. <laughs> Pretty I know. cool, huh? Limiting beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so let me just uh, 
kind of recap. What I'm hearing you say is that you, when when you reached out in the first place, when we first started talking, it, it wasn't necessarily that anything was going wrong. There was no, there was nothing, nothing was blowing up, nothing was exploding. It was that you were kind of trying to set up your business for kind of you personally, so that it really yeah. felt like it was in alignment with what you wanted. Totally. Yeah. And I think like my friends call me like the hobbyist of the friend group because I always love challenging myself to things that I'm not making money from, or I don't really have goals around. I just want to like learn how to throw pottery or I want to farm and like learn about agriculture, like all these random things that I get so jazzed about. Um, Cause life is just, life has all the things. And like, it, I just want to <laughs> learn everything. <laughs> like, I love that. Life has all like, the things. All the things. Um, and I'm also, you know, I live in New York City. I, I love this freaking city. Um, I, it's like my first love. So there's a lot that New York City has to offer too. So it's almost like, okay, I don't want to be that founder that is burned out, that's working, you know, 80 hours a week, that is super, you know, doesn't have a strong community outside of her work, um, that, you know, isn't feeling fulfilled with like, yeah, trying something new, um, having relationships, like all these things that, I've seen, uh, you know, repetition of this, like, very, like, stark female founder that, like, only works and is always in the office and wears the heels and does all those things. And I'm like, I can't, I don't, I don't identify with that <laughs> at all. <laughs> like, um, and that was something where I was like, I want that support. Um, and I, I had talked to a fair amount of coaches before actually having our call. And something that I really enjoyed about just the way that you do coaching and, and um, how you think about things is it really, truly feels like therapy is the only way that I can really describe <laughs> it. Um, so much so, which is funny because I have a therapist that I've like limited the hours with her because I feel like I'm getting so much quality, like thoughtful self-work here. Um, oh, wow. And I knew that like my business, the way that my business is going to run is going to impact my life. And having that kind of connection and really like building a full circle, like future for myself was how is really how you think about it too. And how I really enjoy, um, you know, it's really why I enjoy working with you. So. Yeah. I love that. Th um, thanks for sharing that. Cause I, what I'd love to hear is what have you learned about freedom? What have you learned about how you personally create freedom in your business and in your life and in your business to support your life and how it works for you basically is what I'm asking. Yeah. So I think that for me, I think a lot of freedom that I felt is like making mistakes and viewing that as a learning experience. First off, that has a lot of freedom in, in just of itself. Um, and, you know, I think historically when I've made mistakes um, like in-house that, you know, some of some of the DSC brands that I've worked for, it was viewed as this horrible thing or you're not doing a good job or you're not capable. So it was like a lot of work in the beginning, I think, of our work together of like really reframing what that looks like. And also, I mean, the kind of affiliate marketing I'm doing is really new. Like it's only in the last couple of years taken off. So freedom in just being confident in myself and also confident in this industry that like I'm a thought leader and I may make mistakes and those are learning experiences. And that's just basically going to the mental gym, first of all, which I know we talk about. Um, it's like reframing that, you know, kind of thought work, but also, you know, this is what it means to be a thought leader. Like it, you do make mistakes <laughs> and, you know, you may need to pivot and you may need to adapt, but that's like, 
what being a thought leader is. And there's no, like, I think you asked me a couple of times in the early stages of us working together, like, is there courses or like conferences that you can go to around this or anything that you can do to connect with more people that are doing the same thing as you? And I was like, I can count on my hand how many people are doing the kind of work I'm doing and there's not conferences or anything. Um, maybe I should create one, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's fairly new. So I think that like that reframing is, is really been super impactful for my business specifically the market that I'm in. Yeah. So I'm hearing you say like a freedom from the experience of like failure or mistakes or something like that. Is that totally? Yep. Yep, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. yeah. What about freedoms too? How has your business changed over the last couple of years, you know, 18, 16 yeah. months or since we've been working together? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been getting really refined with what kind of brands can I actually provide success? Um, I think that's been super important because in the beginning stages of my business, like like a lot of, you know, new founders, like you take on business because it's money, right? Like you're like, oh crap, this is a paycheck. I need X amount of paychecks to live. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that was something that I just, I think if I like getting really clear with like, if I, if I can't provide you success, I don't want to work with you because I'm in the business to help you not to just get paid. Um, so I think that's been really, that's changed over time. It's like really perfecting, like what kind of client is, is like, what I call, and I know we've, we've talked about this, like a butterfly client, like what kind of client, like makes you have the butterfly feelings, like a first date kind of thing. Like that makes you really excited and happy. And like that kind of feeling is what I'm looking for. And it's like, it comes with working with those clients that aren't butterfly clients, but getting really clear, like what about them were not the characteristics of a butterfly client. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that, and also like, really getting clear of like what it means to take care of myself and be an individual outside of my business too. So with the hobbies and like getting creative of like what kind of community outside of my work do I want to have? Like, you know, I really love live music and I wanted to have like more friends in that space. So it's like helping me curate like, okay, where are these people and where can I meet them and really build that community outside of my work too, to just help me, feel like I can show up in my, my work, you know, during the day and feel excited about life because that obviously impacts the quality of my work too. So. Right on. so freedom to feel excited about the kinds of work, the kinds of clients that you're working with, freedom to uh, fill yourself up outside of your kind of work identity. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I'm curious, what's the impact for you when you were working with clients who weren't those butterfly clients, what's the impact on your, on your freedom personally? Well, one, like my strategies did not work as well. So that is almost like a, you know, spider web effect where like, if it's not working, then I start to feel like, oh crap, like this doesn't feel good because I want their business to flourish and I want my work to be good work for, and, you know, to see that, see those numbers go up. And when you're in a highly data-driven role, um, numbers are everything and results are everything. Um, and I think that's one thing is like it impacted, I think my confidence to be quite frank, like my confidence in the work that I'm doing. Um, because if it wasn't working for them, you know, that sort of just starts to kick in with the imposter syndrome and like, and, you know, that kind of thinking that I just don't want around at all. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to highlight for the listeners, because this is something I think that's really useful for people to, to grasp, but <clears throat> this idea that 
you know, in the beginning, you're saying yes because you're you're saying yes to paychecks. I mean, the, a business requires revenue yep. to to have its lifeblood. Uh, but if we're working with clients that we're not really super aligned with, either we're not emotionally aligned with them or values aligned with them, you might say, or we're not aligned with them in terms of like what we can provide, what our business can actually do and, and knock it out of the park for them, then there's there's going to be like a, a cost to us in terms of our, our own energy. But the more that we start to focus on, because there are client, those clients that you will serve really, really well and that it will it'll really land with them and it'll really be aligned for them. And then the more that we focus on those, the more energy we feel and the more results they get. So it's like, there is this world where we can, we're not just saying yes to a paycheck. Now, obviously in the beginning, you know, saying yes to now revenue is very important, but as we start to hone and refine who we work with, we start to see more of that. Uh, it's like a win-win situation for every, you know, for the whole world, Totally, the whole world gets better that way. <clears throat> so that's really cool. Totally. Tell us about how you find balance because you mentioned this kind of like boss image of, you know, this hardworking entrepreneur that's in New York and doing the thing. Um, what's your relationship to where work fits in in your life and what do your days look like? How is your personal balance between work and life? And Totally. So one thing as i mentioned i'm a hobbyist i love having all the hobbies um and so it's really important to me and what i you know really pay attention to is like having one thing that i do outside of work that does not have money attached to it you know no income from it no goals just literally it's like almost helping me tap into my inner child and just playing um so i work at a rooftop farm on the weekends in the spring summer and fall months um, and it's in Greenpoint for anyone else in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, that's listening to this. Um, and it's so rewarding. It's like, it's really nice to get off the screens to, you know, get my hands dirty and, um, you know, get dirt underneath my fingernails. Like I'm from North Carolina. I grew up like running around farms, like as a kid. So it's really fun to just like tap into that. Um, and I've noticed like through playing a little bit more that I love using my hands. So this summer, I also started pottery class and learning how to throw um, pottery, which was really fun. And like to see, you know, from clay to throwing it to firing it to seeing this finished product and like having it in my home. So rewarding. So cool. So, um, so yeah, so I do that. And I think my schedule, I, I feel like over time, I've been super clear and, you know, all through learning experience around when I'm on and when I'm off. And I think at the beginning stages of my business, I was really scared to go off, right? I would have notifications on my phone. I would, you know, be checking email before bed to make sure no one needed me. And I started to experiment. I'm pretty sure you told told me to do this, like in one of our calls is like, just try for one day, turn your phone off at 6 p.m. and see if the world crashes. Like, see, see what happens. <laughs> so I did exactly. it. And then nothing crashed. Um, so I'm a huge proponent of, you know, getting a morning routine in, you know, not checking your phone, not checking Instagram, you know, before you actually feel rejuvenated. I'm an early person. So like I sign on at eight, but I'm up at like six, right? So those two hours um, is really for me, like affirmations, working out, moving my body, those kinds of things. Um, and then like, you know, building a community outside of my business is like, 
you know, going to get coffee with people that I love watching on Instagram or, you know, these other things where to like get off screens and connect with a person because we're all working from, I mean, we're not all, but a lot of us are working from home and it can be draining. It's just like looking at a screen all day. So getting in front of a person and talking with them and learning about how they think and how they do, you know, how their world looks is just like really lights me up. Yeah, right on. <clears throat> so um, uh, just to, to clarify, because I, I, I really want to double click on this for listeners. Do you remember what your business, what your hours were like when you started? What that looked like? Yeah. So I was working about a 60 hour week, between 40 to 60 hour week. That being said, I was on though. Like I was at my computer the entire day kind of on. Where in a traditional office, you know, like when I worked at D2C Brands and before COVID, you know, we only really worked like four hours a day. <laughs> like, but we would talk, we'd go get coffee, we would go to yeah. lunch and we had that simulation and that off time. But when I say like 40 hour work week, which is a traditional work week, um, I was on that entire time though. So no breaks. So very exhausted, was not, you know, was waking up and starting work at six sometimes just to catch up. And um, yeah, I, w- I was really burnt out. Um, and and I how think many that clients were you working with at that time? I was working with, I think I had four clients. Okay. At that time. And now fast forward us. What's your, what's your situation like now? Uh, I see what you're doing here. Uh, seven <laughs> clients. <laughs> yeah. Seven clients and I don't work. It's rare for me to work over 30 hours a week. Yeah. Right on. And so that's, yep. that's people out there going, what, how is that even possible? But so what, what would you say? How, how is that possible to move from the one situation, the 60 hour, 40 to 60 hour week with four clients to seven clients in a 30 hour week. How does one do that? So, I mean, hiring for sure. Um, my first hire was a virtual assistant. Um, shout out to Christina, you rock. Um, so, so yeah, so she, she's, I think like for the, the tasks that are like not fueling me the same way that other tasks are getting really clear about like what, person can do that that and what person gets fueled by that task because I also didn't want to get in the habit of hiring people just to hire people and having them not feel happy or fulfilled or you know jazzed about what they're doing um so you know I I was like okay well I need google sheets updated I need you know all these like organizational things like I remember talking to you and, and you were like virtual assistant and I'm like oh wait people really enjoy doing this like okay that makes sense like Done. So I started doing, uh, so I, I started with hiring a virtual assistant. Um, and then my second hire was um, Natalie, who's awesome. So she's um, the affiliate program coordinator at my agency that focuses on the bloggers. So maintaining the relationships with the bloggers that we work with. Um, and she, you know, she gets jazzed about, you know, connection and, and building relationships. And so that's like, that's great for her. And then my uh, third hire was a PR consultant, Paige, who has killer relationships with editors and writers and just really knows the industry. Um, and she's she's a rock star. So um, she was my third. And then my um, fourth is helping with reporting. So consolidating the reports. So clients see like what's working, what's not. Um, that's something that, you know, was a huge lift because putting together reports takes a long time. Um, and I want to be focused on client relationship management and really focusing on overall strategy and making those industry connections and, and that kind of stuff. 
Yeah. And I want to highlight for listeners here too, because you, what you were saying as you're going through each of these hires that you brought on, what was driving that process was you really wanting to focus on these things that really they're yours to do in your business. The strategy, the high level strategy stuff, the understanding yep. of the data and what kinds of decisions we make based on that, the selling the new business, that sort of thing. And so we were, we were bringing people on to kind of be in their work around an area where your business had to have the support in order for you to be, really be kind of living into your zone of genius and doing the things that only you can do for your business. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So that freed right up a, a ton of time for me. <laughs> yeah. Right on. I love that. Um, okay. So I just want to ask you a few questions. What would you say it's like working with a coach? How do you think of the role that I play in your business and in your life? Well, first of all, I, I always consider you a part of the team because it truly feels like you're very connected into my business and super involved. Um, so I think coaching for me is, like I said, to really help me build this life. And my business is a core part of my life. Um, but to not neglect the other parts of my life that I want to improve as well. Building that community with people that are involved in music that I want to get more involved in or if I, you know, wanted to throw an event myself to like bring all the people that I've connected over coffee together, like doing those things, um, launching a newsletter to talk about farming and all the hobbies that I'm doing, like that kind of stuff. I think if I didn't have this support would be considered an afterthought, but I really enjoy working with you because it really feels like a puzzle. You know, my business is a huge part of that puzzle. And, you know, the newsletter and the events and all these other things are added, adding to the full puzzle. Um, and it just like, I don't know how to really describe it other than just like helps my life feel complete and like jazz and I feel more confident. I think the confidence piece is also really important with with um, what I've gotten from coaching, you know, being 23 and, and being a founder. And, um, you know, I, I've been really launching and, and scaling my career for the last five years, which is fairly, you know, that's not a long time when you think about it. Right. Um, like, Especially not considering the results that you've created in your reality. So I think that confidence that like, I am on the right track, but also there isn't a right track. I'm on the right track for me right now, but I also have confidence through coaching that no matter if I decide to no longer do this type of business, that the next phase of my life, I also feel like I can, perfect and conquer and, and feel confident going into that. So it's almost like, I don't feel, it helps me not feel as fearful with how much life I have ahead. <laughs> um, because it's like this current blip is just helping me go to the, you know, brain gym and build those muscles and like really do all this thought work that a lot of people don't do till much later in life. Um, so it's, it's just, it's awesome. <laughs> right on. I love that. Okay. Um, and then uh, the other question I like to ask is, what do you think makes like, if, if somebody is really considering either coaching work or even personally doing their own work, um, what would you say it takes to really, in your opinion, get the most out of this kind of development work? Yeah, I think a couple of things. Um, I think repetition of like affirmations is a really great one. We've talked about that a lot. Um, Emma so Grace confidence was not paid to plug affirmations on this shift coaching podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we've done a lot of work around it because of confidence, right? Like, I, you know, my affirmation is I'm an expert, and I want to remind myself because it it definitely helps me 
in the day-to-day of my work, talking with clients, you know, all these things. But I've also felt when I stopped those affirmations, and I've talked to you about that, where it's like, oh, I haven't done my affirmations in like <laughs> three months or something, whatever. And then you're like, so why are you feeling this anxiety? You know? <laughs> so the repetition, I think, is something where you really need to put in the work. It's not a oh, I get to talk about my feelings and then, you know, all this stuff just magically happens. Like you are doing the work outside of the calls, the coaching calls. I think having a lot of curiosity is important here too, because there's been a lot of, um, you know, language that I've had to, no, I didn't have to see that. Uh-huh, nice that I've wanted to, <laughs> that I've wanted to adjust and and reframe just to help me live more like purposeful life and run a more pur- purposeful business. Um, but without that curiosity of like, oh, I wonder, yeah, like, no, you're right. Like, oh, or interesting. Like, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try reframing, like really wanting to just try and get out there and try it and do it is key, um, for getting everything that you need out of coaching or one out of coaching. Love that. Love that. Do work. Um, okay, great. Um, so in our last kind of moments here, uh, if somebody's listening right now and they could really benefit from your business. Yep. Who and then how can they get a hold of you? Totally. So my butterfly clients um, are direct consumer brands that are in the home or apparel space. Um, skincare and beauty, I also work on as well, but really perfecting and focusing on the home and like lifestyle space. Um, and I would say brands that have been in the market for two to three years is is key. And having some of that buzz and PR is important. So like, if I look your brand up, I want to see some reviews. I want to see some founder interviews. Like I want to see that buzz because what my work is really to continue to expand and optimize that buzz. Um, So it's important for that, that key pillar to be there. I I think e-commerce is key. If you work with retailers, not a deal breaker, but I'm really trying to drive people to your.com, not to Nordstrom or any other.com. So really perfecting and focusing on your .com is, is, is another thing that's helpful. Um, and you can find me on my my website, um, emmagracemoon.com, or you can find me on Instagram at emmagracemoon. Yeah, awesome. And we'll we'll put those links in the show notes so you can click through. Emma Grace, thank you so much for having this conversation, for helping other people kind of imagine what a world could be like with more freedom in their reality. Any final thoughts to add before we wrap the only other thing that I'll say is that there's no right or wrong way to live your life and uh, you can really pave it. So <laughs> go do I it. Love it. I love that. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate you and uh, have a fantastic day. And thanks for listening, everyone else, and enjoy your shift to freedom. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.